we're for takeoff once again welcome to jet fuel the jets discord podcast as always i am your party host joe rivera along with me as always is my astute and educational and very handsome co-host might i add matt Salard, king sliz say hello my friend joe we finally got here week one is on the doorstep we made it through the long off season We've been, I don't know, as Jets fans, we've just been combing over the roster. It's been one of the biggest drafts in in, in recent memory. All the, behind all of the prospect debates, behind all the Zach Wilson debates, the Mekhi Becton debates, everything. <laughs> We're finally here. We finally get to put, put road to rubber. We get to see what happens. We get to watch football. Man, let me tell you, I... I long for the days where we have a quiet off season, but as Jets fans, I just don't think that's a possibility because it's either an off season like we just had where there's generally good vibes, right? Except from the discord because they hate everything that we've done or, or there's just bad vibes where we hire Adam Gase and everything is in the crapper before we even take the field in week one. So let's start with the runway rundown as we always do. And there's one, there's really just one topic before we get to our season previews, Liz, because that's, that's pretty much what this entire pod is going to be about a little bit different format than maybe some of you are used to, but CJ, CJ Mosley restructured his contract recently. There was a lot of debate as to what this really means over the next year or two. Sliz, you you said yourself, you're the wannabe cap guru for someone who's a captain inept, cap inept like I am. Uh, and I don't understand what half this, half of this means. Can you please break this down for our, for our listeners or Jets fans who might be a little bit, confused on what Mosley's cap hits, what all this means in 2023 and beyond. Yeah. So first I just want to say it's awesome to see Joe Douglas using cap mechanisms. They're they're not loopholes. They're mechanisms that Mm -hmm. the rest of the league's been using really for a while now, but especially in the past two to three years with COVID with the cap actually going down that one year. And then now just as teams are, are, it's just part of managing the cap now especially if you're a good key team and we, we've seen it with the new Orleans saints in the, the kind of the end of the Drew Brees run of, of a lot of proverbial kicking the can down the road, spreading the cap hit, pushing cap hit into future years, allowing you to get more and more players on your roster in current years. Um, we've saw a lot of that. And, and I've kind of been saying all along and I know folks are saying, oh, look at all the, the contracts Joe Douglas signed in the free agency, but but he's left space. We can still make a big move. I've been saying all along, and, and I, I said it after kind of in the wake of the C.J. Mosley restructure. I don't know how we were going to sign like a Tyree kill because we are hurting on cap space. Um, and, and this is a symptom of that, right? So, so the Jets, after the 53-man cut down, after moving guys to IR and, and other such things, we, we sat at negative 2 million in cap space, which means we're 2 million over the cap. And the NFL, it's a hard cap. So you have certain deadlines where, and, and I don't even know what the punishment is, but you have to be cap compliant by a certain deadline. And if you're not, I, I assume you get fine draft picks or otherwise. They take um, you out back and flog you is what they do. Yeah. They, they yeah. bend you over their knee and Roger Goodell shows up with a tennis racket. That's what happens. Yeah, I am. I have no doubt. Roger just randomly throws the dart and and wherever it lands, it, it, anywhere from first round draft pick to five million dollar fine to slap on the wrist if you're one of the NFL favorite teams, right? Um, but 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 all that said, so C.J. Mosley, uh, very polarizing 
figure and, and really even it, it's in very much in part due to his play but but it's it's really due to the contract he was given by Mike McCagnan and being still yeah three four uh, four years later I believe now still a top three paid linebacker in the NFL um, so he had uh, I believe it was about 16 million in guaranteed base salary this year and then a 1.5 million prorated signing bonus that he he gets that day one and it's spread across his entire contract length so so the mechanism that the jets used here is is a probably the most common one to make create quote quote air quotes create cap space is by converting base salary into signing bonus and then what that does is it stretches it across the life of the the remainder of the contract um, there, there's some nuances to it. You can add void years on the end as well, which is they're, they're for lack of a better term, fake years. Uh, but it allows you, you can have up to five years to stretch a prorated bonus across and void years essentially create empty years where the CJ Mosley isn't under contract for those years. He'd be right. a free agent, right. but it allows you to stretch that cap hit over a longer period of time. And then Really, the the big thing to note here, and and I, I was in in Connor Hughes's mentions, kind of talking cap stuff. I guess there's two things here. So the, the first one is the Jets have not tied themselves to any additional spend on CJ Mosley. Right. His entire contract this year was already fully guaranteed. And we just pushed it out, right? So typically, this cap mechanism, or or, or where where the player benefits, is if it was non guaranteed base, then oftentimes they're getting it guaranteed. That that wasn't the case here, and that's when you look to like a John Franklin Myers when we're looking at 2023. He has something like a, a 10 million base salary, none of it guaranteed. So he's a good good example of someone next year where that feels like an in a very sensible restructure and, and stretch to use like an NBA term right. um, stretches contract. He gets guaranteed money that he he's guaranteed he'll get that. And then it allows us to move the cap hit that that wasn't so much the case here, um, but it's still a benefit to Mosley in terms of instead of having to wait for the game to get that game check, he gets it all paid out. He gets it paid up right now. He can buy the dip if he wants, um, <laughs> a little stock market terminology or he could he can do whatever so he gets all that up front so there's benefit to him there and then he gets it all up front um really for us it allows us a we had to we had to move money somewhere to be cap compliant we chose cj mosley shout out to tonic who who floated this as an idea back in february and i was initially against it because the thought is oh if we're pushing dead cap into future years then cj mosley is less cuttable and no, that is not the case. This doesn't right. change anything with next year's base salary. Next year is still, and I'm going to, I keep using the NBA term because I think it's more fan friendly in terms of comprehending what this means is next year, CJ Mosley is still on the hook for a 17 million base salary, non-guaranteed. We more or less have a 17 million team option on CJ Mosley. So we can cut CJ Mosley and save 17 million and we'll incur some dead cap. And that's because of this money that we just pushed out. Plus is already existing prorated signing bonus, but it's not, 
this this does not signal to me anything about cj mosley in the future and now there's a good chance maybe we ask him to take a pay cut like we did with crowder or or otherwise but we did not sign ourselves up for any additional payout to cj mosley and that's probably the biggest thing to take from this right and again i I appreciate that you laid it out so plainly slis and i think the important thing like you just mentioned is the fact that this doesn't mean anything for 2023 him being on the team next year now does it mean that you know, maybe at a lesser number, they might keep him around. I mean, maybe, I don't know, but ultimately this doesn't, this doesn't mean that he's tied to the team next year. That doesn't mean anything. It just means that we're now we're cap compliant. They gave him more of his money up front and now we're good. And they tacked on some void years at the end of it. So you spread out his money. Ultimately, that's what it comes down to, but it does not mean that he he's a guarantee to be on the team next year. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Connor Hughes laid out kind of, Hey, if we, if the jets cut him in 2023, they incur something like an 11 million dead cap charge. That that's not the only option. There is a a post June one cut, which uh, Joe Douglas has used to use that with Tremaine Johnson, which allows Mm -hmm. you to essentially split that dead cap in two based on when it hits. So it, it would result in about of that 11, about four of it, I believe, being next year in 2023. And then the other seven remaining would be then in 2024. 2024 is kind of the, the year folks have circled on their calendar as that's when all the TV deals kick in. That's when the cap's supposed to explode. Right. So that seems like a sensible outcome. Uh, Hughes did respond and he, he brought up a good point post June one cuts means that the cap isn't freed up till then but right. we do we do a we get a little bit of extra cap and also there's ways to circumnavigate that you're not going to sign your draft picks right away you can have handshake deals things of that nature um there's ways where it's still a very very viable option to do a post june one that seems the most sensible outside of if we decide to try to rework that contract i'm to take a a pay cut more in line with the market based on where he's at in his career. Right. And, you know, you could debate the caliber of player CJ Mosley is all you want. I mean, I don't think he's not the player that he, he's really not a league average player anymore. If we're being honest, Um, he doesn't really fit this defense anymore. Unfortunately, the only value that he brings to the team and you don't want to knock the guy, but the only value he brings to the team is like as a locker room guy. Right. And you saw that because he was one of the three team captains who were named along with Zach Wilson and Justin Hardy. Um, so that that's really about it. He doesn't really bring you anything else. You see what Salah likes in his linebackers and mostly to his credit, he lost weight. He he seemed to be motivated last year, but it just, it, it still just did not work out with him. So um, this is like you said, this is the sensible thing to do moving forward. It's a sensible thing to do. So uh, that, that really closes the book on, on CJ Mosley this year and and this whole restructure business again it doesn't mean that he'll be on the team moving forwards or in 2023 uh week one 2023 uh speaking of week one 2023 let's move on sliz to the flight plan now this is we're going to spend a a majority of our time tonight sliz and obviously like you mentioned we're on the doorstep of week one some i guess encouraging news about zach wilson is that he might start this weekend unless it's just gamesmanship yeah the look on your face you know i wish i could this is very much eh, i don't know about that but uh, maybe it's just gamesmanship from robert sala it does make me a little bit nervous we had this debate before we move into our season preview we had this debate or this kind of clarification there's a difference between being clear to play and being ready to play Right. I, I think that's the big hang up 
when Jets fans say, I don't want to rush Zach back, I don't think it comes from a place of, well, I hope they don't put him back out there where he when he's 80%, right? Or 90%. They want him to be 100%. If doctors are clearing him to play, essentially that means he's 100%, right? Number one. And number two, I think that it has more to do with the fact that they want him to practice and kind of knock the rust off before he walks in or before we host the Ravens in week one. Um, so I think that's the whole the difference between rushing him back and, and and kind of what's on everybody's minds. I hope he doesn't play this weekend, to be honest with you, because I, I want him to practice. I want him to have that full week of practice, not just workouts like he's had this week. But we'll see. We'll see if they if they feel he's ready to go, then there's no harm in starting him either. He's your he's your future. Right. But I just I also don't see a world where he actually starts this weekend. So I don't know about you. I don't either. I, I do think it's a little bit of, of coach speak kind of throw, trying to throw the Ravens off, so to speak. I, I, it feels like we we've had now two solid weeks of preparation since our last preseason game where Flacco has been taking all the starter reps. It, it feels like that's kind of the natural, Hey, this guy's been game planning for two leagues. Keep Flacco in. Like you said, don't rush Zach back. And, and it, it, it is a very nuanced dis- discussion or, or distinguishment there right. of what, what do you mean by rush back? And it's like, oh, well, if the staff says he's good, then just let him play. But we, we saw this last year, right? Zach had an injury last year. You saw in that first game back versus Houston. He didn't quite trust that knee all the way. And it's like at some point you got to rip the Band-Aid off and get him back exactly. in there. Mm-hmm. But – it, it feels a little early to, okay, you're going to have essentially two two days of practice plus a walkthrough day. Right. And then the next time you're playing, you're taking live reps against edge rushers bearing down on you. I, I don't love it just situationally to, right. to get him in this week. That said, if he's if, if they're all systems go and Zach's out there, then, I mean, I, th- this season is about Zach. We, we need to see Zach play. We need to see what he is, whether that's taking a step forward or whether that's just being the guy he was last year. And then we have to make a decision from there. Right. Right. But I, I don't know, you know, week one, isn't going to, isn't going to write the book on Zach. I'd rather him be fully squared away, fully good, trusting the knee, uh, ideally walking into week two again, against a, a difficult Browns defense nonetheless, but um, it, it just feels we we've already been game planning around Flacco with Flacco feels like that's kind of the natural outcome here. So. Right. All right. So let's start off with our first point. Let's, let's talk the schedule. Right. And we both, obviously we each have some points on this. We want to make, I do want to run down week by week, really, really quickly, the Jets schedule for 2022. So week one versus the Ravens week two at the Browns week three versus the Bengals week four at the Steelers. Week five versus the Dolphins. Week six at the Packers. Week seven at the Broncos. Week eight versus the Patriots. Week nine versus the Bills. By week, week 10. So pretty much right in the middle of the schedule there. Week 11 at the Patriots. Week 12 at, uh, sorry, versus the Bears. Week 13 at the Vikings. Week 14 at the Bills. Week 15 versus the Lions. Week 16 versus the Jaguars. Week 17 at the Seahawks, week 18 at the Dolphins. So that's your schedule for the 2022 New York Jets. Um, my my point on the schedule, Sliz, and this is what like infuriates me about everybody freaking out about the schedule every year in May and May 12th. So 512 for everybody. You know, I think Jets Discord understands a little bit of what that means, sadly. 
Um, but my point on the on the schedule is not all schedules are what they appear, right? Players get hurt, quarterbacks get hurt, opposing quarterbacks get hurt, um, teams underperform, right? You can't point to a schedule in May to say like, oh, well, that's a loss, that's a loss, that's a win, that's a loss. It's just, it never works out that way, right? Like, if, if you buy into the any given Sunday stuff, I mean, that's part of it too, right? Like, who would have thought that Mike White would have beaten the, would have led the Jets to, to beat the Bengals last year? I mean, uh, I had that game predicted that as a win, but honestly, I the way that they were playing, like it doesn't make sense. So, who who uh, would have had the Adam Gase led Jets beating the playoff Rams? Right. What, what was that two years ago now? Right. Right. Yeah. Right. There there is absolutely any any given Sunday, and that goes the other way too, where just because there's a bad team on the schedule that should be a winnable game, that doesn't mean we're going to win it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And. That's why I say not all schedules are what they appear. Like, yes, you can point to difficult stretches, and that's the one quirk I see in the schedule is like you're opening up with four straight AFC North teams. But to that end, this is exactly when I want to face them. Like, I don't want to face these teams when week 16, week 17, and the Ravens are fighting for the or fighting for home field in the playoffs, or they're fighting for a division of the Browns, fighting for a division with Deshaun Watson back, right? This is when I want to I want to play them. Week one, weird stuff happens in the NFL in week one all the time. All the time. So give me, you know, I, I don't I'm not going to predict week by week. We'll get to that a little bit later, but I don't I look at the Jets schedule and I'm like, all right, I don't think it's like a death row schedule. Like I don't think it's I don't think it's that bad, all things considered. Like the first seven weeks, everybody's going to say, some people are saying Adam Shine are saying, oh, well, they're 0-7 the first seven weeks of the season. I'm like, dude, I don't, I just don't buy into that. But uh, my point on this, on the schedule, not all schedules are what they appear. Um, It's just, you got to play the games ultimately, right? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. and, And that first part of the schedule is tough. You wish it was a little bit more evenly distributed, right? And getting some of the the weaker teams on the schedule spread throughout the front half, build a little bit momentum going into the second half of the year. Um, that that's probably the biggest thing. You wish it was a little bit more balanced. That said, we can't afford to go zero and seven. We can't afford to go one and eight. Even two and seven is kind of like the bare minimum. Where if you're not above that, you're you are destined for a bad season because. We're not going to win every game in the second half. We're not going to beat every single team that we have a possibility of beating, right? We're not going to beat all of the Bears, the Lions, the Jags, and the Seahawks. We're not going 4-0 in those games more than likely, right? So we have to win some games in the front half. Where you look and and kind of grab your copium tank and hook up your your mask and, and start huffing copium, <laughs> right? Or hopium, I guess, at this stage is there are some there are some silver linings right we play cleveland without deshaun watson still a very very tough matchup but not as bad as it could be um we do play pittsburgh in week four who just announced trubisky as their starter by that point and i haven't looked at the pittsburgh schedule but if they're struggling early you might get a week one week two kenny pickett in that game you might get a rookie qb right so there's some there's some possibility there. We do play three division games in the front half, all at home. That helps too. We do play the Packers on the road. I believe is going to be a tough game, but they're coming off of a off of a road trip to London, 
and not not coming off a bye. They're they're going from London straight back to Green Bay to play us. So that there's potential there where hey, travel lagged, all that sort of stuff. Not that I expect us to beat Green Bay, but there's some there's some context there. So there is a little bit of silver linings around the front half. They also the Packers chose that, by the way, which is like bulletin board material because I'm pretty sure in a scheduling quirk they could have elected to have their bye week yes. following the London game, yep. but they chose not to. So listen, man. Um, Lafleur Le- Bowl. Weird weird <laughs> things happen when when personal uh, bragging rights are on the line. Right. So. Yeah. I mean. Listen, the schedule is what it is. Ultimately, I mean, there's no there's no point in complaining about it. I think a team on an on the ascent, you want to beat those good teams, right? Ultimately, like you want to be the Bengals of last year, is is what it comes down to. You want to be a team like there were some weeks where the Bengals look like the best team in the AFC, and then they go and lose to the Jets, and then they like they're kind of a question mark, but they at least were beating good teams throughout the year. So it, it's not like. You know, I look at the schedule and say, well, if the Jets are on the ascent, you know, if they well, if the Jets are what they are, then they're going to go, you know, zero and seven. I just don't, I don't buy that. Like, if you think the Jets are improved to a point that they can knock off the Steelers, no matter who's a quarterback, or even take the fight to the Packers, like coming, the Packers coming from London. I mean, there's a world in which that can happen, right? I mean, that's again, maybe that's hopium. I mean, who knows? But that's that's the way I look at it. Like, the way you prove you're a good team is by beating good teams, ultimately. And that's exactly what Salah and company want to do this year, right? They, they, if not just play competitive football, but knock off some of these teams that people are saying, oh, well, they got no shot against, you know, the Patriots twice this year. Yeah, I am very glad we have a reasonable bye week this year. It feels like, and maybe it was just last year, but it always feels like the Jets have some random early bye that doesn't right. really help anybody. <laughs> and then right. we're always super banged up by the end of the year. So this is right. definitely... A, our, our depth is probably our talent in general, but especially our depth's a lot better than it's been previously. But the buy is at a good point. And, and if we're if we're treading water by the buy, and I don't expect us to be close to 500, but if, if we somehow got up to like a four and five or, or even a, a three and six, that second half is set up to make a push. Right. If we're if we're a competitive football team, we can make a push down the sh- down the stretch in the second half. Yeah. There are and, very few unwinnable games in that second half. Right. And I think you're going to definitely see it's going to take a little bit to gel. I think it's not all the pieces are going to come together the first four or five games of the season. I think I think when week five is the game I have circled versus the Dolphins at home. That's the game I say to myself, OK, we this is when we start to see what this team is going to be this year. Because there's a world in which, you know, maybe they play the Ravens and the Ravens, I don't listen, Vegas is Vegas, but the Ravens are six and a half point road favorites right now. Right. And I don't gamble. I don't do any of that. I usually don't buy into that stuff, but that's still a heavy. That's a pretty heavy number. Right. So, um, I mean, there's a there's a world in which they go out versus the Ravens and they do get blown out and they go out versus the Browns and maybe they lay an egg or they just don't look overly competitive. But so I say, I think week five is when you're going to start to see all the pieces really start to come together. Um, I want to see competitive football, man. That that's ultimately what I want to see. Uh, I, I don't want to see these games where they they all right they play strong in the first half and then the second half they fall apart. You know, in the fourth quarter they just get blown out in the fourth quarter like we saw last year. But uh, that's what I want to see. I want to see when it comes to the schedule. I just want to see them play competitive football games. So uh, moving on. Speaking of things that we want to see, 
Sliz, what what do you there there's a lot about the Jets offense to be excited about, I think, in my personal opinion. I think uh, you know, again, maybe this is hopium. I think Zach is going to be solid to good this year. That's just with with all the all the weapons around him. I think Elijah Moore, we'll get to him in a little bit. I think Elijah Moore's the goods. From what I've seen from Garrett Wilson, I mean the drops concern you a little bit, but the wide receiver core as a whole is deep. Two tight end, you you two, maybe three tight ends deep, depending on uh, what or Jeremy Ruckert may be able to give you this year. But what are you most looking forward to about the Jets offense this year? Yeah, so maybe looking to the the most, uh, looking forward to the most isn't the right verbiage, but I think it's the one thing to analyze the most, and that's Zach Wilson's accuracy, specifically over the middle. And and we we did we had kind of a big discussion over this over the past week with college football kicking off and watching some of the college quarterbacks, and it's like, man, none of these guys can throw over the middle with any sort of confidence. I know back when when it was Team Justin versus Team Zach, right? Justin Fields versus Zach Wilson. Uh, it, prior to the 2021 draft, that was something on both sides point to like, Hey, this guy never throws over the middle. And that, and that that's true of both of them. Right. That's one of those skills. That's just, that's just part of the NFL leap is all right. You can't just always win on the outside. You can't just spread guys out and, and attack these college defenses that aren't very good. You do need to win over the middle and, and Zach's accuracy last year wasn't very good over the middle. Um, that's a that's a spot where you do need him to take a step and I think with that the the part I am looking forward to is having and you mentioned it legitimate NFL tight ends in both CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin the scheme uses tight ends a lot we were all pretty flabbergasted in the discord last year when we essentially punted on on tight end altogether right I was like that's like the whole as fans, that was our whole understanding of the scheme is like this uses tight ends everywhere right. that it's it's been implemented. It uses tight ends. And then when we basically you know, we rolled out Tyler Croft and, and Ryan Griffin off injury, I was like, man, are, are we doing something totally off script? And and no, week one, week two, we we went with that same scheme and it did not work because we yeah. did not have the talent to do it. Right. right. So I'm excited to see those guys and and those two points I think go hand in hand. If Zach has good accuracy over the middle with our our complementary pieces at tight end and and we have an upgrade just everywhere in the wide receiver core i think zach er, both elijah and garrett can work over the middle it's i'm still curious to see how we implement them in terms of just our wide receiver core in general you assume Corey's going to primarily be outside but garrett and and Elijah are pretty interchangeable barrios is going to get his his share of touches especially on jet motion jet sweep type handoffs so it, it'll be interesting to see all that, but accuracy over the middle, it's got to be there and you can't bounce past it. You can't <laughs> bounce past checkdowns. So yeah, that, that's the big stuff for me. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm in total agreeance with you. Sliz. I think kind of to your point is with these playmakers now or with the presumed playmakers, I should say, and having, having a Tyler Conklin who really showed out all camp and, and having a CJ Uzama, I, want to see these guys attack the seam. I want to see Zach play within the offense. I want to see these guys run. Man, one of my favorite players to watch against one of the teams I hate the most was always Jason Witten. And I loved watching him play the Giants because Jason Witten would always run 15-yard in cuts across the middle of the field. And no matter who it was, no matter who was on defense, he was always open. And that's all I want to see from this Jets, this Jets offense. I want to see someone get open over the middle of the field. And I think 
now they have the opportunity to do that with Conklin and with Uzama and maybe even with Ruckert who can attack the scene. So um, again, Tyler Conklin, he looked really good when I saw him in person at the green and white scrimmage. Again, it was still early in the preseason, but he looked like a playmaker. So I hope that's the key. And I just want to see Zach play within the offense. The processing has to be faster. We saw that last year, even in a game like Tennessee, right? Where yes, Wilson did take the team on his, wants to take the offense on his back, but part of the the other side of that conversation is, okay, well, Wilson wasn't playing within the offense in that game, and the plays that he made were off script, right? Obviously, right. the throw the throws to Keelan Cole and the throw to Corey Davis. And so you say to yourself, okay, well, he's got to play more within the offense. And with the players that they have now, and from what I saw in the last five weeks of the season last year when he came back from injury, four weeks, is that he does have the propensity to do that. And he does have the playmakers to do it now. So I just want to see, I want to see how the wide receivers play together. I think it's going to be really fun to watch Wilson and Elijah Moore. I think it's going to be really fun to watch Barrios and his role kind of as a gadget wide receiver. That should be a lot of fun. A key position focus that I'm not too thrilled with, and I think nobody's really thrilled with, is how the offensive tackle, how the tackle spots have kind of worked out, right? Um Great, they re-signed Connor McDermott, which like he's a depth guy at the end of the day, so like fine. But it, it kind of pains me to think that okay, well, if there's an injury to one of these guys and you're shuffling the offensive line again, and then you're either relying on McDermott to play right tackle or Max Mitchell to play right tackle, and I think Mitchell's going to be a player just from what I saw, but he's not ready yet. He's not he's not ready for for NFL game game speed yet. So uh, we'll see how that works out. I think the offensive line as a whole has much improved, but the tackle spot is just. Yikes going into the regular season, I think. Yeah, big yikes. Let, let's hope that we don't get a uh, a Max Mitchell versus Miles Garrett, TJ Watt type of matchup here early in the season. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah. that'll, that'll be bad. That's worth approximately four yikes, if we're being honest. So, all right. So, so we gave some love to the offensive side of the ball. So let's, let's give it, let's give some to the defensive side of the ball. What, what do we want to see from Sauce Gardner, from Jermaine Johnson? I know. You know, there's a lot of people who are down on Jermaine Johnson right now, but what do we want to see from those guys and from the defense as a whole? Yeah, so from those guys specifically, I think Sauce, you want you want him to translate and show that he can be the guy that he's worthy of the 1.04 draft slot that we took him at. Um, Rivka from Jet Sex was, was small sample size, but talking through something that was shared around preseason success for corners translating to regular season and using Pat Sertain the second from last year. So there's, there's maybe a, a super cherry pick glimmer of hope stat there. <laughs> I don't think preseason's all that predictive, right? but, but you need, you need sauce to be able to, to lock up a guy. It doesn't necessarily need to be the number one. I think we're going to keep our, our corner static sauce is going to play his side. DJ Reed's going to play his side. You want sauce to be able to kind of work, maybe not totally on an Island, but you want him to be able to, to manage his guy, which is more than we've been able to say in a long time at that spot. Corner has been a, a very, very weak spot for us. And really since Rivas and, and Cromartie. Right. So that's, that's what you want from sauce. I think with Jermaine, you just want him to grow over the course of the year and you want him to start eating into that snap share of, of whoever my, my biggest concern with him is with, with how full that room is, whether or not he's going to get snaps, enough snaps to truly grow throughout the season and make an impact. Um, and then just in general, we need to stop the run. Uh, Nania had a stat up, I think today, 
looking back last year at jet success versus different types of run schemes. So there's kind of two predominant run scheme schemes. There's a, there's a power scheme and then a zone run scheme. Right. Right. And against teams that ran a zone run scheme, we were four and five. So we were actually very successful. That's more what our defense is built. Our defense is smaller D tackles, smaller linebackers, a lot of range, um, more, it, it is really more of a modern L, modern NFL uh, body type at various positions. Um, allows you to kind of get out to those outside runs and, and narrow the angles. However, we were winless against power gap teams, uh, inside, inside power teams, this being like a, a New England Patriots ran that last year, for example. So you need those guys, especially at the D tackle position, especially at the linebacker position to really, really man up, for lack of a better term. We need to be better against the run. It doesn't matter how good our corners are. It doesn't good, matter how good our pass rush is. If they can hand it off, get four or five yards up the middle every single touch. Right, especially the linebackers, man. Because yeah. how, how how many times is it, has Salah said it is that this scheme relies so heavily and it stresses linebackers so much because everything they're asking you to do, like they're yeah. asking you to stop the run. They're asking you to cover cover tight ends. They're asking you to, you know, do all these things because if you're, like you said, if you have, if you have undersized D tackles, which is something we've talked about on this podcast is that they don't have a lot of size up front with the guys that they have, especially after cutdowns. Like you're relying so much on those linebackers to fill those gaps appropriately and really get in there and thump. And I don't see it. <laughs> like I don't, unless CJ Mosley can turn back the clock and, and be that guy that he was with Baltimore, but you know, losing the weight that he lost, he he just doesn't have the weight in his ass anymore to 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 play that kind of role. So, um, yeah, to your point, the linebacker core is still something that concerns me a little bit. I think that they have something in Sherwood. I think that the Quan pickup was really good, very very smart, but it's still a concerning element of the defense. Um, what I want to see from Sauce this year, Sliz, is that I don't want to see Sauce. I don't want to see him getting burned. I don't want to see him getting targeted. I don't want to see him ever on Sundays, right? And that was a big part of the Revis years too, is that when Revis was on, you didn't hear teams, you didn't see him on the field, like teams weren't attacking him. So like you you would go games without hearing Revis's name or like, you know, one, one pass a game, two passes a game that he'd give up. But I don't want to see him this year. And I know he's a rookie and he's going to struggle and there's going to be parts where, but I don't want to see him give up the touchdowns. Like I, I just want to see just stick, stick in coverage. And again, preseason, he was targeted, what, 24, there was 24 targets or something like that. And not one reception. I mean, that's pretty good. But then again, he didn't play against any number ones. So um, it, it's tough to truly know what he's going to be. So I think we'll know, we'll know if sauce is the guy. And, and I think every Jets fan knows this feeling when we're on defense the other team, the quarterback drops back and takes a shot and that you just get that pit in your stomach because you know <laughs> something bad is about to happen, whether it's DPI, whether it's holding, whether it's a long completion. Once once that we're comfortable enough to sauce where it's like, oh, that's a that's a throw to sauce's side and you don't get that pit in your stomach. Right. That that's the measuring stick for me. Sauce, get the pit out of my stomach. I, I hate that. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're right. You're right. Um. The other thing I want to see from our defense, please sack the quarterback. I know that there's the the, the analytics community. I don't want to say has devalued sacks, I but they've certainly 
you know, there's a different there's a different kind of emphasis on the sack than there was five years ago or ten years ago. Now it's all about pressures, right? Can you move the quarterback? But and and I don't have the stats behind me, so you know, maybe I'm talking out of my rear end here. But with the way that the NFL is built today, and with the way that these quarterbacks throw on the move and they can run and they're mobile, getting a pressure isn't simply enough anymore, right? And that's why I'm going to see them. I want to see you get home and take down the quarterback. Don't give him an, the opportunity to get outside the pocket and make a throw. Don't just flush a guy out. Take him to the ground if you get there. I, I really want to see it. That's and, and they have the line to do it if Lawson's healthy. If you know Jermaine Johnson can live up to his first round billing. I know people are laughing at that, but listen, take him at 26. I'm I'm fine with it. Ultimately, um, you have the guys in Quinnen. Again, we'll get to Quinnen in a little bit, but Quinnen's another guy. Now he has that edge help with that group, with that rotation that you know he's going to be in more favorable positions. He's going to be in more favorable opportunities to maybe get to the quarterback. So. I, I want to see them get home, man. It's been so it's been so freaking long. It's been so long, and 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 like the years of like getting to the quarterback, but you're like sending the house to get there as opposed to like true pressure, like legit pressure, just from your front four. I'm excited to see it. I really am, and I think they have the personnel to get it done. And like you said, it you got to finish right. And right. Looking to week one, if you don't finish against Lamar Jackson. He's gone and gashing you, right? right? If if you let if you overrun him, if you if you whiff the tackle, if you if you just hang on his jersey and don't get him down, he will make you pay more times than not. Right. And same with Josh Allen in the division, right? So it, it yeah, we got to finish big time. Right. Right. What, so let's let's keep it a little general here. Um, there there's so much about this team. We've we've dissected it throughout their first four episodes. Um. What what do you want to see from the team as a whole this year? What what's like the one or two things that you want to see from from the Jets in twenty twenty two? Yeah, we need to see young players emerge, and I know there, there's a topic kind of coming up ahead, but we need we need we need players to emerge and take the step to. We need stars to come out of somewhere, right? We need we need guys where you can hang your hat on. Sauce Gardner is a stud. Elijah Moore is a stud. Quinnen Williams is a stud, right. right? We need guys where, you know, as Jets fans, of course we know kind of our guys you're hoping get there, but at like a national landscape and the national media conversation, they need to be like, like Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams, when he was here. And I know some people maybe think he totally fell off this, that, the other, lots of burnt bridges, hard feelings. When Jamal Adams was here, he was a stud. And people knew he was a stud. We need players to take that step to make that leap. We need we need the guys to develop and emerge. Right. You know, there there comes a point in every Jets season, pretty much since they went to that second AFC championship game, where it's like, why am I even watching? Right. It gets to a point where you're like, all right, honey, let's go, let's go grocery shopping. Let's uh let's go binge the Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Let's go, I don't know. Let's go on a hike. Let's go touch grass, you know, whatever it is, right? They're just gets just play competitive football, man. Give me a reason to get excited on Sundays. You know, like if you're if they're one in six entering week seven, but those first six, those first seven games, or sorry, week week eight, I can't do math apparently. Um if they're if they're one in six entering week eight, but they look competitive in those games, then like I'm cool. Right. Because I can maybe see something coming down the pipe, but I really just don't want to see, especially from this staff, which has been talked about a lot uh, for being teachers and for cultivating talent. 
and for being leaders of men and for being adults in the room. They've done a good job of washing the Adam Gase, Todd Bowles stench out of the organization. I think that's fair to say. But now we have to see it with these players. We have to see these guys coached up. We have to see them play for something on Sundays. We got to see like it's cheesy, like football cliche BS. But we, I need to see grit. I need to see fight. I need to see that from this team. I think that they have, again, I think they have the players to do it. I think they had a really solid offseason. I think Joe Douglas has put them in good position for that. But I still need to see it this year. Yeah, you need to see us. You know, if you're if you're running eight minutes late, you don't want to turn on the game and be in a 14-0 hole like <laughs> we were seemingly every single right. game to start the year last year, right? And and that's that's the the super easy measuring stick. Are we even keeping games competitive through the first quarter, through the right. first half, through the you know, the, and then you get to the end of the game, and then through the extrapolate that out to the season, but. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, I, I don't want to feel like it's all hopeless by the end of the first quarter, like we right. we did for half the season last year. I'm, I mean, I don't want to be a doomer, but if you look at their preseason, like that was it was more the same, right? Like yep. we were relying on King Strap to bring us back throughout the throughout the preseason. Like, yeah, we're three and zero, but they didn't look great <laughs> coming out, and they need to start faster. They need to start more disciplined. Again, it's preseason; you can't glean too much from preseason because it is what it is, but. I, I just want to see competitive football this year, man. And and like getting stuck in those like first half holes where you're down, you know, 21 three or whatever it is. And you got to fight back and you're relying on your defense to pitch a shutout. Like they can't win. They're not going to be able to win games that way. They're like the offense won't allow it with Zach this year. Um, so we'll see. So the, uh, we talked a little bit about the schedule, but let's hone in on the AFC East a little bit. Sliz. Now you have something exceptionally spicy here on, on the notes here. And and I see you folding your hands, maybe in prayer, before you say this. And I need to know: is this an official Jet Fuel Jets Discord podcast prediction that you're about to say? Yeah, yes, it is. Okay, I am hanging, Let, I, I am hanging my hat on it. The dynasty, the Bill Belichick dynasty, is over. Wow. I think the Pats are not good this year. I think they're they're potentially worse than us in terms of final record, which is saying a lot. That that'd be less than the division if they're worse than us. Um I, I think I don't think they have the pieces on that roster. I, I, there's only so much lipstick Bill Belichick can put on a pig and and I I don't think this is the year. I I think we, we've heard reports all offseason of their offensive struggles. They got Tweedledee and Tweedledum at offensive coordinator. <laughs> they, 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 they've kind of gutted their own offensive line. They, their, their defense is gutted. It's probably their worst defensive roster since Belichick's been there. I, man, I, I don't, I don't, Bel, it, it's Bill Belichick. You can never count them out. I just don't see how how it gets done. I think there's too much of a talent deficit for it to for them to overcome it. You are a stronger man than I because I would never do. I I could never go there. I just couldn't, man. Like, and the sad part is I agree with everything you're saying, but then when the Jets play the Patriots the first time, they're getting blown out forty-one to ten. You know, we're gonna look back on this podcast and be like, all right, well, maybe we should rethink this whole jet fuel thing. You know, but no, I to your point, I. I wrote here not impressed with the AFC East. And there's there's a few reasons for that. Number one, you mentioned the Patriots. The Patriots don't scare me anymore. Post Tom Brady Patriots, they don't scare me as you know. I understand like they own the Jets last year, right? And that's what Bill Belichick does. 
he owns the Jets routinely. But like you said, there has to come to a point where all of the talent deficiencies on that roster, like the, the, the chickens are coming home to roost, right? The, the, that's just the way it, the way it's going to go at some point. And I think this year, more than years past, is more telling of that. So the Dolphins, I've mentioned it, I think on our first episode of Jet Fuel, I'm not a Tua guy. I don't believe in Tua. I, I think that he gives you opportunities throughout a game. Dude, I saw I saw a video posted on like the NFL's Instagram page today where he and listen, I don't know if this was by design or not, but I saw a video and and he was throwing to like cardboard cutouts, right? And he missed a cardboard cutout twice at like 15 yards. And he missed like two yards wide on each side. And then he threw it deep and he hit another cardboard cutout, but it hit like the cleats, like the ball died in midair. So like I, I again, is it by design? I don't know, but I, I just don't see it with two. I just don't. I, I don't know. He could be a winner. Is he could be a winner? He could be a gritty. He could be a leader. Whatever. At the end of the day, you got to have the physical tools to do it, and he hasn't really shown much of that throughout his first two years in the league, three years in the league. Um, the Bills are the one that that obviously they're Super Bowl contenders, right? Josh Allen didn't play great the first however many games last year. Uh, talk to Bills fans, I'll tell you that. Um, yes, he's a fantasy darling, but there's more to life than just fantasy points. I think we can all agree on that. But I'm not I'm not saying the Bills window is closed. I just I almost get the sense like there's a fall off coming. And, and maybe that's because Dayball's gone. Um, maybe it's just because of the way that they lost in the playoffs last year. Uh I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think there there really is in in my heart of hearts, I think there's a road where the Jets can win three games in the division this year. Yeah, well, and I think with the Bills specifically, obviously, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not maybe on down on them this year as you are, but this is, it gets harder after this year for them. Right. The Josh Allen con- contract extension kicks in, or I think it's his fifth year. Then the extension kicks in. It it gets harder for them after this point. Right. So if they don't, if they don't hit this year, it it should. Uh, it should alleviate Josh Allen's not going to take Tom Brady, super team friendly, middle of the pack quarterback deal type things. Um, it, it should get easier. It should get easier. Right. And, and and like you said, Josh Allen's good for a couple stinkers every year. And he's had a couple of those stinkers against us. Yes. It feels like even, la- even last broke. year, even last year, the bad roster, I, I felt like that it they, they were settling for field goals nonstop um, in the one game. So I don't know. We, I, I think that it, that's a that's a high bar. I am higher on Miami than you are, but certainly they have it, a very it, good roster. Right, they have a very good roster, and you know, Mike. To be fair, Mike McDaniel's still a little bit of unknown. I love the hire. Don't get me wrong, and I think that, that they're going to have a fun offense to watch. But again, how many? We've said it for years, man. The quarterback is is what seventy five percent of your offense in the NFL, eighty percent of your offense, like. You don't have a quarterback. You don't have nothing. And if Tua oh, yeah. like can't prove it this year, if he can't be that guy, then you know you're wasting Tyreek Hill essentially. Like, and you have to go back to the drawing board next year with the new quarterback. And you know maybe Lamar Jackson ends up in Miami, and then it's a whole nother can of worms. Oh, don't it's even, don't a even, nightmare. don't even. I'm, so, put like, that I'm out sorry, there. but I'm, I'm sorry, but like I don't know, man. I just again, Miami has a very good roster. They have a better roster than we do. Like it's it's very near complete, but. We've seen in years past that if you just don't have the quarterback or if the quarterback doesn't play well against you, then you always have a shot. Always have a shot. So, oh, yeah. All right. Let's get into some predictions, Liz. So who is, who's going to be your Jets offensive MVP this year? 
I'm buying into the hype wave. I'm going to go Tyler Conklin. Uh, I don't think he'll probably get that recognition come end of season, Mm -hmm. but I think he's going to be the most impactful player in terms of what he does for Zach Wilson, in terms of what he does for the offense and in both phases, run and pass, um, but especially the pass. I I think he's going to be probably Joe Douglas's best pickup to date in in general. Uh, I think he's going to continue pick up where he did last year and keep building upon it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. I, I just think this, the stars are going to align for this kid. I just got a feeling about it. You know, some people were saying, well, he's too small to play outside, but who cares in 2022 NFL, we've said it a million times. It's all about separation, right? It's all about route running, especially in this, in this offense where you got to find the soft spot in zones and and separate from your guy. Elijah Moore can do all that. Elijah Moore can do all that. So I really think that he and Zach are going to form a really, really solid chemistry this year. Along with the other stuff, we saw him run some jet sweeps last year. You saw him do some of that stuff. So I I think that he's going to have a really, really solid season. So we'll see how it goes, but he's going to be my Jets offensive MVP prediction. Uh, Sliz, your your Jets defensive MVP prediction, and we're we're in lockstep on this one. I think this one makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I think we touched on a little bit last pod too, just in terms of – guys that are going to have the opportunity to kind of separate themselves in terms of snap share, in terms of what they're being asked to do. And and maybe part of this prediction is just because he, he has to, he's got to take the step forward. It's got to be Quinn and Williams, man. Yep. He he's got to take the step. He's got to show why we drafted him third overall. Sala said it in his presser, Quinn's chomping at the bit. He's healthy. This is his year, man. Go get it. Go yep. take it over. Go earn that fat contract extension. Right. Yeah, and he he's looks like excuse me, he looks like he's in really good shape too. So I mean, I know that doesn't account for much, but listen, he we've said it. He's got the defensive line running mates this year now, um, in a scheme that should benefit him, which is essentially just peer, pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. So uh, he's going to be in favorable matchups. I just want to see him eat, man. I think this is the year. I really do. And listen, his his floor has been established as a very good player. I think we can agree, or a good player. Um, we need to see more from him, though, right? <laughs> I think ultimately, especially if he's going to be on the on the line for a contract extension in the coming, I don't know, however long year next offseason. Either. To his credit, he seems to be totally cool with where he's at, right? He knows that he has to earn it. Like he said, all the right things in press conferences. And when, when people have asked him about it, like he's been like, well, I have to go and earn it. And to this point, he hasn't earned it yet. So he's, he's got to go show it this year. And I think, I think ultimately he does. I think he's going to have a really big year. All right. This is a big one record prediction and one bold prediction for the 2022 season. I'm going to, I'm going to go first. I'm going to say the jets are seven and 10 this year. I've, I've stuck with that number. That's that's what I felt when I first saw their schedule. That's what I'm sticking with today. I just like yes, the first the first nine weeks of the season are pretty tough. You face off against again NFC AFC North opponents. I think the Steelers are a winnable game if we're being honest. Like you never count out Mike Tomlin, but if you're facing Trubisky or you're facing a rookie Kenny Pickett, you know, like one of the two will give you opportunities in that game, right? Um and I think they're going to sneak out another win or two in that first in that first that first stretch of games in those first nine weeks. And then my bold prediction: I think they're going to finish the season strong. I think that they're going to finish the year on a five game win streak. And those games would be at the Bills versus the Lions, Jaguars, 
at the Seahawks and at the Dolphins. I, I just think I see everything coming together at that point. I just, you know, maybe that's like incongruous with my with my record prediction because then, you know, I'm saying they don't beat the Bears or, you know, the, the Patriots again, you know, whatever it is. But I do think that they're going to finish the season showing they're going to be in the hunt. You're going to see them in that graphic at the end of the season in the hunt. That's all I want to see. That's all I want to see, man. Yeah. So, so full transparency here. I have also been shouting seven and 10 from the rooftops, but I didn't want to be matching you here. So I found another win for us. I have the boys at eight and nine. Nice. Uh, I, I think, and really when you're looking at the context of this year, and I've said this several times, we need to win divisional games. Right. Our season's going to be made or broken by our divisional games. If we go zero and six in divisional games, it doesn't matter what we do. The rest, we're gonna we're gonna have a bad record. Mm-hmm. We we need to win at least two. I have that with a Patriots sweep. I think you could swap it out. Do a, do a split one and one with Patriots in Miami. I think you could even look for three in there too. One off Miami, sweeping the Patriots. I know sweeping the Patriots super duper bold kind of aligns with what I was saying with, with the Patriots falling off finally. But just in general, we need to win divisional games. We, we've gone over the past two years. If this staff can't win a game in the division, then I'm sorry, they're, they're not the staff. We, we need to move on. You cannot go three straight years without winning a divisional game. Mm-hmm. If you're Joe Douglas, we need to win divisional games, most important yep. games on the schedule. Yeah. And, and listen, the thing about division games is like, obviously you're seeing teams twice, right? So you see in the first time, like it could go, you see in the second time it could go either way. Cause you already have tape on them. Right. And, and you'd think that the staff is smart enough to like, look at the tendencies of playing them before, you know, and say to yourself, Oh, well, here's how we can attack them this time. So yeah, to your point, the division is big, man. And, and I just look at it and I don't see them as not winnable games. I just don't, I mean, it's, I think that they can sneak three wins out in the division. I really do. Maybe that, that's the high watermark, but like you said, you can't go zero and six. Can't yeah, you just can't? I, I, I think the best, the the most realistic best course for our season is getting three wins in that first half. And you look at a, a Deshaun Watsonless Cleveland. You look at a Pittsburgh team. You look at three home division matchups. If we can steal three out of those five, or even find just an any given Sunday upset over one of the other teams, that that's probably better than us this year but if you if you can win three out of the first half i think we have a very strong chance to to make a a push for 500 right that said if we only get two if we only get one in the first half you're putting a cap on on the ceiling of wins you can get Mm -hmm. all right well we still got a lot to do on this this episode of jet fuel so i do suggest if you haven't used the bathroom yet to pause the podcast and come back because we got a lot more fun stuff to do um so sliz let's let's uh, a segment i threw in this is not going to be something we do all throughout the year but i threw in some superlatives right some classic high school superlatives with a little bit of a jets twist so uh, the first superlative i have on here and we both agree with this here the most likely jet to become the next meme player that's meme player m-e-m-e player uh we saw it with wesco right we, we've seen it with chuma um i love a good meme player so we're both we're both on board here with Michael Clemens. I mean, he's already there, right? He's, yeah, he's yeah, just he, like he's already he's already there. I think you saw kind of the TikTok whatever meme on going around on Twitter with Michael Clemens doing the recording and being like, "What the heck is this? like?" Just having no idea, <laughs> just like totally out of his element. Like everything that dude does is gold, man. It, 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 I 
still don't didn't like the pick at the time, but he's making me eat my words. He's awesome. He's hilarious. You know, it's great. Is he, he reminds me so much of if you've ever seen the replacements, he reminds me of the safety and the replacements who went to jail. Um, and like he comes back and, and like nobody wants to play with him. Like he's totally frightening. He shows up in like the orange jump shoot. Like that's who Michael Clemens reminds me of. Like I would never want to get on this dude's bad side. So oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he's gonna be fun to watch. And and yeah. you, you had here you had here Bam Knight, uh Zonovan Knight here next. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I, I think he's an honorable mention. If he makes the P the if he gets onto the active roster at some point from the practice squad, I think the fans are just gonna will him into into a meme player. He he's got the he's got the nickname Bam already. He does kickoffs. It's just a memeable dude in general. Mm-hmm. I, I think he could emerge. He's he's already a fan favorite. People were pissed when we cut him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think he he's he's next in line if he can stick around. Uh, next superlative, and again, this is podcast chemistry, baby, because it's most likely to be fired first, and we're both in lockstep. Defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich. Uh, I just – he didn't exactly inspire me last year. The, hi- the hire was kind of out of left field, right? And Salah's devotion to his staff and wanting to call plays, I, I think – I don't see him getting fired in season if they're really bad excuse me if they're really bad but uh, again it's it just it, it seems like a like a weird fit and i think that if something goes very wrong with the defense this year i think if the team looks okay but the defense looks bad it's going to fall obviously more on Ulbrich than it will on Sala. so i think that's pretty much the logic that i'm going with most likely to be fired first yeah no i agree i, I think you you said pretty much everything there he, he's the easy scapegoat and we saw it last year with with the lions Dan Campbell fired their offensive coordinator midseason, took over play calling. Mm-hmm. If our defense looks atrocious like it did last year, that's the easy move. Fire Ulbrich, have Saul take over play calling. Right. All right. Most likely to leave the Jets' discord in anger. Uh, so why don't you, why don't you, who'd you go with with your uh, selection here? I, I, I took a cop out answer, and, and it's going to be a future legend that we're going to turn into a copy pasta. We have exclamation point Beckton. We have exclamation point Bell. Exclamation point Eli. Just it's going to be some dude in the middle of a game thread who is pissed at the result, or and and he's just going to give up. Like something's going <laughs> to cause him to snap, push him over the edge. He's going to post some ridiculous thing in the game thread, be memed for the rest of time, and leave the server. It, it's it's bound to happen. It happens every year. Bad effing process. That's that's the one that always comes to my comes to my mind when I think of uh, fun commands. So I think we saw it last year, and and shout out to Small Chimp, but this dude like gets dug in, and he's got his opinions, and I respect him for that. But that also leads to him getting pretty heated about things. So I think the user most likely to leave the Jets Discord in anger is Small Chimp this year. I can see it happening. Um, what wouldn't be the first time after we won the Rams game and right. basically lost the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes? Yep. The dude took like a two to three week hiatus. Yep. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously there's no Lawrence at the end of the tunnel here, but I, I could still, you know, uh, when, when Bryce Hall has uh, 10 carries for 22 yards, you know, I could see him, uh, Brees Hall, sorry, uh, has, has 10 carries for 22 yards. I could see him yeah, uh, I, losing his lid. I, I can I can frame it up too. We're we're gonna be like zero and nine through the the beginning of the season, and we're gonna win like two meaningless games down the stretch. 
ruin our draft position and small chimps is going to be he's going to be over it everyone's gonna be like oh young players we need the the moral <laughs> victory he's gonna have none of it, it it is if we have a bad season and that happens it's gonna be chimp rage everywhere you know like i don't want to sidetrack this but like usually i'm on board with like the whole tank if you're that bad thing but man i'm just and people are going to hate me for this, especially in the, because it, it's such an absolutionist thing in Jets Discord, where it's like, well, if you're not in the playoff hunt, if you're not, you know, Super Bowl contenders, probably then tank, right? It seems like those are the very two extremes of it. And I understand it, but man, I'm starving for wins at this point, dude. Like, I just want to win football games. I'm sorry where they come from. Like, you figure the rest out later. Like, just figure it out later, you know? Um, so I'm sorry, small champ, if, you, if you're listening. Uh, to this episode, but I, I do believe that you are the most likely to leave the Jets discord in anger. And to wrap up our superlatives here, most likely Jet to win geek of the week. I went with CJ Mosley because I saw one too many plays last year where he got knocked on his ass um, or or he just wasn't, you know, to, Ank, Ank will tell you that he wasn't within 15 yards of a guy covering a guy. So um, I, I just saw it way too, way too often last year. I'm going with CJ Mosley. Yeah. Funny. We, we both picked newly named Jets captains, right? We're, we're the three where, or Zach Wilson. Well, they have CJ the grit. Mosley. They have grit. That's, that's what they yeah. have. They don't have much of anything else. They have to be, you know, like I always like, sorry to cut you off, but like, I always look oh, at yeah. like, I always look at like captains as like, okay, well we're rah rah guys, but we're not very good. Right. So like hey, the team kind of clings to them. Right. I, so I'm glad I'm glad we didn't follow the league trend of naming like half our roster captains. I don't know what the Giants. The, there's there's been more. It's not just the like the Giants named nine or something ridiculous, ten. but 10. Yeah, there's been multiple teams, though. I, I saw I can't remember which team it was. Someone named eight captains. And it's like, what are we doing here? People <laughs> like, OK, I get one for each phase, maybe two for each phase. But it's like, well, 10? Why? If, if you have 10 captains, you have no captains. Like, come on now. <laughs> you you got to get your meme players in there. You got to yeah. get your meme player. Who'd you, who'd you pick for a most likely Jet to win Geek of the Week here? Since? Yeah, so mine, mine is our third captain, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Special Teams himself, Justin Hardy. <laughs> We've been prime, prime, shout out Prime. We wanted to cut him last offseason and got a ton of backlash. And then he proceeded to have a bad season right <laughs> we brought him in only for special teams and he he was penalized like crazy right he's he's an easy geek of the week if he repeats his last year performance of just having brain dead penalties that hurt us in the in the only phase we brought him into play <laughs> it's an easy one easy one all right so we move on to uh we're introducing the segment it's not something we're going to do often but hashtag asks liz now we do have threads on, on Jets Discord, but of course you can always follow us on Twitter at JetFuel Podcast. You can drop us an email at Jet JetFuel Discord Podcast at gmail.com if you have a question for Sliz. But let's let's get rolling with some of these questions here, Sliz. Um, honorary A-tier Mets fan asks, Would you have liked to see the Jets give up a fourth round pick in next year's draft for Chauncey Gardner Johnson from the Saints, given he played safety in college and how he'll be utilized by Philly? and that it took less to acquire him. What do you think? Yeah, so this is a really good question, and I think we're a year away. And so at its core, yes, I would love to see us trade really relatively low capital for, quite frankly, a stud player. 
But just think of the context. Why did the Saints even move on from Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? It's because the cap is real, despite what (laughs) everyone on Twitter tries to say after every single one of these moves. The cap is real, and the reason they traded Gardner-Johnson is because he's in line for a big contract extension, and I do not think – if we made this trade – Gardner Johnson would be the only impact move that we would make going into the 2023 season. It it pretty much handcuffs us just with that extension alone. It'd be him plus some mid tier to bottom tier free agents plus a draft class. I don't think that's good enough to get us over the hump having just that, that chess chess piece. And and two, just given the makeup of our division, um, Gardner Johnson's value really comes when you have a lot of tight end dominant teams in your division. If, if you told me this, if you could take modern Gardner Johnson and ask me this question five years ago, when Gronk was absolutely destroying the league, I would say absolutely. Yes. Cause you need a Gardner Johnson to match up with a Gronk. Um, but I'm I'm saying no because I don't think it's good for our cap health, which I know people don't care about cap health, but I don't think it's a sustainable move, even though it is an upgrade. But our staff believes in Michael Carter, and and that'd be the guy whose spot he'd directly be taking. It's a personal policy of mine to not trade for guys named Chauncey, so there's that. All right, we move on to uh, Teeps here. TPS asks a question. How do you view Salah and Ulbricht's mentality on defensive line rotation and hard snap count limits versus how the rest of the league approaches it? And he adds a little bit more context here. Do you think we're unintentionally hamstringing career numbers for guys like Quinnen and creating scenarios where fans won't understand why we would want to extend him and other defensive linemen? Or do you think this methodology keeps everyone fresh and improves the unit as a whole? There's a lot there. What do you think? Yeah, and so we we dove into this a lot after these comments were kind of made, and, and I forget exactly what Ulbricht's like ceiling number. I don't know if it was forty snaps a game or a certain percent. I I don't quite remember exactly what he said, but I think the policy the policy is just words in a sense where. And, and you saw this with the Niners and, and Sala came from there and had the similar philosophy there. But if you look at the numbers of like an Eric Armstrad and Nick Bosa, the, those guys are still playing 70% plus of snaps. You're not rotating out good players that often. Right. If we're rotating as heavily as they want, it's because our players aren't performing to the level they want. Right. Um, I do think, especially at edge, I do think we have the, the horses to rotate that heavily. Um, but I think, and we saw it a little bit last year. I do think there there's downside to rotating too heavily in that, especially in a hurry up league where a lot of teams will put, will quick snap on you. They'll, they'll run, hurry up. They won't let you substitute. If you get like our B, our B line on the interior in there and they get down to the red zone, they're going to keep that B line on there and they're not going to let you sub unless you take a mm-hmm. timeout. And then we're they're going to be instead of running against Quinnen and, and JFM on the interior in and in a goal line set, you're going to be on on Shep and and Rankins, and that isn't good for us. So right. they got to pick and choose. They got to be smart about it. And ultimately, it's philosophy goes out the window when players make you when when players 
earn the snaps. You right. need a Quinnen, and I know we both talked about him as our potential defensive MVP, kind of looking at the year. You need him to command more than, than whatever percentage of snaps. He needs to command, hey, Ulbrich, you cannot take me out of this game because I'm the best interior defensive lineman on the team. This defense is not the same if you sub me out. He right. needs to have that presence, have that command. Um, it, it, yeah, and that's really the, the whole of it. I think we will rotate heavily. I do think there's something to keeping your edges fresh, especially with our attack style. But we need players to emerge, to, like I said, command those snaps. Right. Fish Sticks asks, which is a funny, just a funny name, Fish Sticks. Anyway, Fish Sticks asks, Let's say the Jets win around eight games this year, and while showing definite signs of improvement, Zach is still holding the roster back. Do we pursue a long-term veteran option, talk ourselves into the QB4 of the upcoming draft, or give Zach one more year? You see, this is a weird question, Sliz, and I know this is Ask Sliz and not Ask Joe, but if the Jets win around eight games and Zach is showing improvement, then why? Like, it's his second year, right? Like... I don't I don't expect like a Herbert like jump for for him, but if he's showing signs of improvement this year, then then why would you not want to keep him for another year? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think the questions may be more interesting. So I think at the core of the question, it's basically saying if if the roster's good but Zach sucks, but we're still winning games, what do we right. do? Right. If if mm-hmm. Zach is the exact same guy he was last year, but instead of a four win team or a seven win team or an eight win team. Mm-hmm. If we get to seven, eight wins, our staff is staying, Zach is staying. And th- and that's really, they're not going to move off of them. We, we might bring in a veteran that you might be more comfortable um, winning or pushing him. I don't think you're bringing in even a Jimmy G caliber guy. Um, I, I think he, he probably prices himself out of, uh, of our market, so to speak. I think if we win seven, eight games, if our staff is still here, we're we're going to roll with Zach and hope he takes that year three leap. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the long and short of it. I really think that there's nowhere to go for Zach but up this year, if we're being honest. Um, it did, like He was just so bad last year in a lot of facets of the game. So we're going to know. I don't know if it's relatively quickly. I mean, I'm giving him the whole year. I'm not going to be here in week six and be like, oh, my God, get rid of Zach. I'm giving him the whole year to figure it out, but we'll know one way or the other. I think at the end of this year, like, is he the guy or not? And if he keeps taking those steps, if he gets to that point, I think, I think he'll be here next season. All right. Misery aptly named for the Jets discord. Misery asks Liz, do you think it's at all strange that with all of our claimed players on waivers, who we got rid of Joe Douglas, wasn't able to make a single trade with anyone. So I, was surprised we didn't do a single trade and i know there were some reported trades there's interest in chuma there's interest in mims mm-hmm. um but i think in general I'll, I'll say i don't think it was strange so you got to remember all these teams have front offices they have staff whose job it is to keep tabs on every other team's roster players on every other team's roster and and I mean, we saw it. We kind of knew it before cut downs. We had to cut players, right? We had some depth that we had to cut. Right. And I think teams were willing just to, especially if you look at the teams that claimed our players, there were a lot in like the top 10 in the waiver priority. A team like Chicago, a team like the Giants, a team like Atlanta, they were willing 
to take the risk and see if we cut the guy we wanted. Right. And, and the giants in Atlanta claimed a couple of our guys. Right. And we had joints with joint practices with them. I think they had a good feel of, Hey, if this guy hits waivers, we want that guy. Um, on the, on the flip side, a guy like Chuma, we, we'd look to move him, and clearly that value wasn't there. And then a guy like Mims, I think it, it's apparent, especially seeing the, the trade value that, other teams got when you're looking at like a Jalen Rager, when you're looking at a LaVisca Chenault, I just don't think the compensation, the market value is not there to, to basically make J Joe move off of uh move off of a Mims right. where Mims is better than anything we have behind him. Flipping them for a seventh isn't moving the needle. Joe Douglas has been his entire tenure here. He has actively dumped seventh round picks. We have not. We have not made a seventh round pick. We have not acquired a seventh round pick under Joe Douglas. Right. There's no reason to think he was going to change here. All right. Well, it's fitting because Ninjo asked this question, but it's something that you touched on with your bold prediction before. Ninjo asks, with the reports of the Patriots struggling during the offseason, do you think it's possible we sweep them and win not one but two divisional games for the first time in years? I think you touched on that before, Sliz. Lock it in, baby. <laughs> Getting real close to the mic there. Let them let them hear the bass in your voice. Appreciate that, Sliz. All right. Oh God. We tried to avoid this one for a long time, but unfortunately, we have to give uh Porzingis from Deep Zingy his his uh flowers here. Top five Marvel movies, Sliz. Go. Man, I I I I've been thinking about this one all week. I saw him throw it in the <laughs> channel and like, dude, I have not kept up with, with anything MCU. Like I, I am a, I'm an MCU boomer in that. <laughs> I, I think the, the most recent Marvel movie I've seen is black Panther. So that shows, that shows you right there. I, I've, I've missed like anything past i've missed anything past that i haven't seen infinity war i haven't seen endgame wow so i haven't even seen like the culmination of all the all the first stuff right that said i did just play the the marvel guardians of the galaxy video game hell yeah uh, just beat that over the weekend over labor day guardians of the galaxy both movie I, the first one is i think is significantly better than the second one but the, the i love those movies those movies are great um outside of that i also had the the tom holland spider-man on my list i think that's homecoming the original avengers movie and and i don't it's been so long i don't even know the difference between the iron man movies but i'm just gonna generically <laughs> say iron man because he he and, and i tell zingy this all the time iron man made the mcu those mm. first couple movies with robert downey jr made the mcu it was a massive gamble and and I could talk for another 45 minutes on the MCU and, and comic books and Marvel, but it was a big gamble at the time for Marvel to put all of their eggs in one basket with, with Iron Man. So uh, obviously Zingy didn't ask for my top five favorite Marvel movies yeah, because he, because he hates me. So there's it. no, it's fine. It's ask Liz. I'm not hijacking <laughs> your segments. Liz. It's fine. All right. It's fine. All right. It's fine. Uh, all right. Salty, salty, uh, more, more rankings here. Salty asks top five albums. Yeah, so he's talking music albums, not the Beatles. Is my <laughs> answer. Um, Salty's been he spams Beatles in every single channel. He, he's like the meme, like how do how do I make this about the Beatles? <laughs> but um, so my top five, and I totally copped out. I I couldn't narrow it down, so I have a, a 
top six plus an honorable mention. Um, Jeez. Uh, not not necessarily in any order. So Foo Fighters, and, and I don't know, Joe, if, if you saw. So they, they had the, oh, and his name's escaping me. The, their drummer T- Taylor Hawkins. Away. Taylor yeah, Hawkins. Taylor yeah. Hawkins. Um, kind of and memorial. And his son Shane. Yeah. Yeah, memorial concert. And, dude, that, I, I watched it. That, I was in legitimate tears watching oh, that. Oh, I was watching too, man. Watching him kind of struggle through that first song, seeing his kid drum out on my hair. Oh, man. Um, and, and that's that's my favorite album too. Echo, Silence, Patient, and Grace by the Foo Fighters. That album is so good. Um, that's that's my number one. Um, the rest of these you could probably put in any order. So Mac Miller Kids, uh, mixtape, not an album, but that was uh, an end of high school college anthem for me. Um, Kid Cudi and and man his mo- Man on the Moon three has sold me. It's won me over. Uh, I I think that's my. I think it, it might clear the original man on the moon for me, Ooh, which, which is a big bar, which careful. is a big bar. Careful. Um, the Eagles hell freezes over it mm-hmm. is another, an, that's probably my most classic uh, favorite album. And then some other, some other classic high school albums, rolling papers by Wiz Khalifa. And then thank me later by Drake. I had those kind of in a tie for fifth. And then honorable mention to the album camp by childish gambino which i think is overlooked a lot but that's a that's a, a start to finish tells a story awesome album Lo- that was his first that was his first album right yes sir yes yep. very yeah, good his album. first his first official album correct yep. very good album. all right let's bring it back to some jets questions to, to round off this ask slist section so uh man i don't even know sim sema I guess I don't, I couldn't even tell you. There's some ones and threes and S's in there. So, all right. He asked, what has Ashton Davis shown in preseason to merit his spot beyond his special teams value? And his second question is, do you think Mim sees enough of the field without injury to justify not trading him? So number one, kind of a, a nuanced question. So I didn't think he showed anything in preseason to merit his, his, his spot. And I know Sala said it's the whole body of work. I think just in general, and we talked through it last week, he, he's positionally versatile. He can play both safety spots. He does have that special teams value. And he's an, and he's an incredible athlete, right? So I think that kind of the, the versatility is really what helped him make it over a, a Jason Pinnock, make it over a Will Parks. Um, I, I don't think it was – some alluded to, oh, this is just Joe Douglas kind of strong arm in his guy. I don't think it was that. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we saw that at any position. I, I think Ashton is what they feel is one of the better better safeties on on their roster in camp. So right. I, I think that positional versatility helps a lot. He he can and and being able to play that he has potential in a in a three safety type look to give us some schematic versatility as well that some right. of the other guys don't offer. And his second question is, do you think Mim sees enough of the field without injury to justify not trading him? No. I think Mims <laughs> has more DMP, DNPs, did not play. I, I think he's inactive most of the games this year, mm-hmm. uh, unless we have another kind of injury-riddled wide receiver core. Right. He, he is the, the obvious inactive week over week, barring injury. So right. no, I, I don't see I, I don't see see enough to justify not trading him. Right. 
All right. NRA forever, who wants us to know that he's actually not a fan of the NRA and it's just a Simpsons reference, uh, has a kind of a long one here to close out the hashtag asks list section segment of this show. Rank these outcomes based on what you'd be happiest about for 2022. So there's he's got a few here. So three and three in the division. Zach Wilson, pro ball alternate. Sauce Gardner, defensive rookie of the year. Garrett Wilson, offensive rookie of the year. Carl Lawson, 15 sacks, and any first-team All-Pro Jet, not counting special teams. Well, that's not fair. Anyway. All right. Well, uh, how'd, you, how'd, you, how'd you kind of rank these, Liz? Yeah, so you touched on it earlier. Quarterbacks, 75 80% of the offense, something right. Right, like that. I rank number two, um, Zach Wilson as a Pro Bowl alternate. I, that was my top. Uh, if if Zach's a pro, even if he's a pro ball alternate, which isn't, you know, that's not guaranteed top 10 quarterback. That, that means he took a massive leap still this year. That means he is cementing, showing that he can be the guy, which is huge. That would be absolutely huge for us. Right. Um, next on the list. So second, I did any first team all pro jet. Uh, that shows that, hey, someone took that step. We had a star emerge somewhere. Again, we, we need star power. We need players to step up. That would be huge. I did Sauce, Defensive Rookie of the Year next, especially at a corner. If a corner is winning Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, that means he was absolutely lights out, which right. would be, again, huge. Um, next, I did Garrett Wilson, Offensive Rookie of the Year. And, and – a, it means that Zach's playing well enough to su- support that a- amount of volume. It means Garrett's probably supplanted uh, Corey Davis. He- he's overtaken him on the depth chart, and it means, hey, our, our number 10 overall pick is absolutely balling. And-, and maybe just like Jamar Chase with the preseason drop woes, he puts it all behind him and puts it together. Um, fifth, I put the Carl Austin 15 sacks, which it's – painful for me to put that that low but i think carl lawson's just of all these options he's the least long-term impactful so like don't get me wrong i would love if he had 15 sacks that'd be right. awesome right, right, right. um but i think it's just in terms of runway in terms of long-term success that's one of the least impactful and then last but not least three and three in the division which Three and three is not an expectation, but for me, two wins in the division is an expectation. We need to win at least two games in the division. We talk through, hey, three, there's a path to three if New England's as bad as we think it is and if if we can hang with Miami in a game or two. Um, so I think three and three isn't too far off from what we should expect year over year in the division. Right. So that's right. that's last on my list there. I think that's a fair ranking. I think Zach is the most thing to be excited about on this list because, like you said, that means that you know Pro Bowl is kind of phony, right? But if he's at that point of like, well, he's an alternate, like that means he did he, he didn't suck this year, and <laughs> that's a positive man. That's a that's a positive. All right, this week's geek of the week. Listen, listen. You people got to stop believing everything you see on the tweet machine, man. So last week or the week before, I guess there was a video that started circulating with these thinner, smaller footballs that look kind of like a like a, 
hoagie or like a $5 footlong. And there's a video of, of Matthew Stafford taking one of these and throwing it like a hundred yards. Right. And as it turns out, it was Amazon trying to sell the idea that there was a new football for Thursday night football that they were going to use exclusive. Listen, they've succeeded because it was a marketing ploy and I'm talking about it on this gosh darn podcast. Okay. So good for them. But the geek of the week this week, any one of you who actively believed that the NFL was actually going to use a new football exclusively for Thursday night football, shame on you. Okay. Shame on you. Just upsets me, Sliz. Sorry. All right. There's been a lot of talk, Sliz. Everything you read on Twitter is true, man. Like, <laughs> Please stop. On. Only only if you're reading my tweets, at least. It's true. Just put out Jet Fuel is the best podcast, and that's instantly true, right? All right, Sliz, there's been a lot of talk. This has been a very, very voluptuous episode of Jet Fuel. Let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. What's on your mind? Dude, the sauce, sauce. It's good. It's good. It's real good. I got a story, though, with mine, right? So... I had to pick up dog food the other day. I was like, you know what? I, I, I missed Thursday night boneless wing deal. I'm going to just get it Friday at lunch while I'm going picking up some dog food over lunch. Right. Ordered it. Got to carry out because the, the, the dog, the pet store is right next to B-dubs by me. Get it. Surprise. And the B-dubs by me normally has terrible service. Everything was ready to go. It was all hot. Got helped immediately. Hell I was like, yeah. oh man, awesome. Everything's here. I, w- I was a happy camper. Drive all the way home, open it up. Oh yeah, gonna have some sauce sauce. No sauce on the wings. <laughs> totally naked, right? Oh. And so I, I I call them up and I'm like, hey, there so, which the the name is just terrible, right? I sound like a an idiot going, hey, um, I, I don't have sauce on my wings. I, I was supposed to have the sauce sauce, right? And I like can't even I'm just laughing at it. They're like, but the what? And I was like, the the Ahmad Gardner sauce sauce, right? And she's like, oh, I know what happened. It, I guess that in the kitchen they name it something different. Um, and, and she's like, yeah, it's just a some ratio mix of honey barbecue and Asian zing. I think they saw sauce sauce and thought it either meant sauce on the side, but then didn't know what sauce or no sauce. But props to B Dubs, they got me, they got me a fresh batch whipped up before I even got there to pick it up. It was ready, and the sauce was the the sauce was good, and I got twice as many wings, and they they absolutely drenched my wings with sauce. There was enough for the naked wings too. Nice. So, Funny experience and funny foods. Um, Discord Discord owner foods who is also a non uh, non tri state area resident. Um, he had the same exact thing happen to him, right? Where they forgot they didn't put the sauce on it. Exact same. Bizarre. So I I think anyone that is not in the the New York New Jersey area, you're just sol. No one knows who Ahmad <laughs> Gardner is. Maybe Cincinnati's covered. But like, I, I just don't even think they know that this thing's going on. So if you're outside of the, the New York market and you're ordering the sauce sauce, check your wings, make sure they put the sauce on there. <laughs> that's a, that's a big, big lesson learned there, baby. Man, I'm a fan of the sauce sauce. I had some on Sunday night and they, they did drench my wings in sauce. So I was very satisfied with that. And yeah, it, it had, it was nice. Cause it like, it started sweet, but then it has a nice kick at the end. It was good. It was good. Very, very satisfied with the sauce sauce. Um, 
All right. So, so that was my brief sauce sauce review. It's good. Go try it. Hey, Rutgers won this weekend. They beat BC. So that was nice. A little, a little late game action there. 20, 22, 21, they won. Um, like two minutes left in the game. They took the lead. So that's nice. Fall is almost here. Man, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for fall, man. I love fall. This is when all the fashion comes out. This is when you can wear the nice clothes. Like I don't have to worry about being hot all the time. You know, leather jacket season, jacket season in general. Like, ooh, I'm living for this. What what's your there's a big debate. I forget which of the off topic channels it was in. There there was a big hot debate or cold? over well, just over seasonal rankings. What are what are what's your season rankings one through four? Season rankings. All right, Mount Rushmore of seasons. Well, I guess there can only be four, right? But whatever. <laughs> um, seasonal rankings. Fall is number one for me. Okay. I'm going to have to uh, – dead air. This is bad podcasting. I think spring is number two because I like I, – I do like coming out of winter and knowing that it's like, okay, well, winter's over. Here comes all the green. And, you know, so spring's number two for me. And then winter – and then summer. I just can't do the heat, man. Oh like man, the heat, the heat, the heat just kills me, bro. I just can't. Like I'm, so, I'm, I'm thankful I'm losing weight, so I'm not like hot and sweaty all the time like I used to be, and I'm much more comfortable wearing like regular clothes, like you know. But my my issue with summer now too is like you try and buy a pair of shorts, bro, and they're like they're like John Stockton shorts. They're so freaking short with like a four inch inseam. Like I'm ripping through these things, like dude. Can I get a pair of shorts that rest comfortably just above the knee? Like, can I get a pair of shorts that are like a comfortable length? Like they don't have to be, you know, mid nineties basketball player shorts, like just not short, short, like it's you ridiculous. You don't want to show off the thighs, man. No, no I'm not a thigh. thigh. I, no, I mean, dude, I got thunder thighs, bro. I have like these massive, this massive lower half that would like put Kelvin Beecham to shame. Okay. So, it's it's it is what it is, but anyway, I, I'm going fall, spring, winter, summer. That's one through four of my rankings. Okay. Um, and speaking of fall, the semester, my semester at Teacher Rutgers starts on Thursday, so awesome. I am super super excited for that. Ready for another another slate of kids who don't know what they're walking into in my classroom. So, uh, that'll that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, enjoy it, man. It's gonna be enjoy cool. It. It's gonna be cool. All right. Well, this has been a lengthy, fun season preview episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. As always, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can people find you on Twitter? Yep. Find me at Sliz underscore NYJ. As always, you can send us an email at Jet Fuel Discord Podcast at gmail.com. And Sliz, Please tell the people how they can join our Discord. Yeah, join the Discord. That's discord.gg slash nyjets. If you don't have an account, make an account. Hop in. We're, we've got game threads every game. I know as an out-of-market Jet fan, Discord is awesome. That's the only way I can interact with Jets fans. We're talking, especially once the season starts, we're talking 24-7 all day, every day, during games, after games, in the middle of the week. Come check us out. Come hang out, have a good time, talk some Jets. And really, this is the best time to join because you, this is the last opportunity that any of us will be truly happy before the season starts. So yep. the next 18 weeks are just going to be sadness and pain. So please, um, as, as the saying goes, misery loves company. So please join us on Discord. 
So that'll do it for this episode of Jet Fuel. For Matt Szilard, I am Joe Rivera, reminding you, you can't take flight without Jet Fuel.